Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian... How are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joining me today is Cesar Hernandez of ESPN FC. Uh, welcome to the show, Cesar. Hey, man. Uh- uh, nice to be talking. I, I, I enjoyed talking before we started recording about uh, Watsonville, Gilroy. I know. Uh, all, all that area was fun. You're, was you're fun. a UC, was, was, was... our listeners might not care, but you're a UCSC alum, which I found really cool because I'm from that part of the world and you don't, you just don't run into a lot of US, UCSC graduates in, in sports. <laughs> All those, yeah, all those, yeah, it's mostly, like, usually, like, I was, like, hanging out with, like, linguists, you know, and also, right. like, people who are, like, doing, like, I don't know, like, like, biochemistry, and actually, a lot of, like, astronomy people, too, and then, yeah, I could see that. yeah and, I, and I, I thought I was become a, a, a social worker, actually, that, that was my, that was my end goal, but uh, I guess here I am, somehow writing about soccer, uh, <laughs> that was a little bit, of a, a little bit of a strange path to, to soccer, but, but yeah, nonetheless, here I am. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, part of why I mean the main the re- the main reason I wanted to talk to you uh, was because I just was I, f- I find you an interesting person and I love bringing interesting people on the show. But the other the more uh, relevant reason for our listeners is that you are uh, you do a lot of the coverage for uh, ESPN FC on uh, Liga Mekis and the Mexican mm-hmm. national team, and of course the Sounders are getting ready to play Pumas tomorrow in a match that uh, for Sounders fans feels like it might be the biggest match in franchise history. Do you have any sense of how big of a deal this is for Pumas fans? Oh, I mean, it's absolutely huge. This is a team that, I mean, we talked about beforehand, but, you know, this is a team that makes themselves out to be an equipo grande, a big team in Mexican soccer. And the issue with Pumas in recent years is that there has been a severe lack of titles. You know, they haven't won anything in a little over 10 years. So, and, and, and during that time, you've seen teams like Tigres, Monterrey, Leon, I, you know, almost surpass them in a way. I think it all depends on who you ask because uh, the definition of a big team or equipo grande is, is quite fluid uh, when you ask Mexican soccer fans. So for them, this is a huge, huge deal. I mean, I, I, I chatted with Sebastian Salcedo um, a month or two ago, uh, you know, uh, Puma swinger, uh, who usually plays in left. He can also play a little bit on the right. And he definitely, you know, was mentioning several times at how big of a deal this is, uh, for Pumas because it's not just about winning a title in 2022, but it's also more so of showcasing what they've been building over the last two years, uh, with Lilini, Andres Lilini, their manager, you know, this is this manager who, who worked within the youth system, who has a great connection within uh, within the youth structure and has really helped provide a platform for many of these young players. And 
for anybody who's been watching Pumas in recent weeks, you know, you see a lot of those three digit players <laughs> on the field and what three digit players means in Mexican soccer, that means they're an Academy player. Cause if, you know, if, if you're, if you're unaware of what happens, you know, usually those Academy players are getting higher numbers, three digit numbers. So you see a lot of those guys um, on the field uh, for, for Pumas. And, and it's this interesting story where this team where, you know, they, they, like I was telling Jeremiah before we started recording, this is a team with the fifth worst market value of players in Liga Mekis with this manager, Andres Lini, who has a huge amount of trust uh, in these young players, a huge amount of trust uh, on several and like, players who probably didn't thrive as much in other teams are now within Pumas and suddenly they're in the Liga Mekis playoffs and they might potentially get a title here but obviously I mean you can never predict CCL <laughs> you can no. never there's no way of predicting what can happen in a, in a CCL final we'll see what happens on Wednesday but I guess uh, long story short there yeah it's a it's it's a, it's a pretty big deal for them yeah, I mean, and I I got that feeling when I was I went down to Mexico City uh, last week and was blown away at the support that they had. You yeah. know, they announced it at forty two thousand, but suppose if the capacity of the stadium is fifty eight thousand, I don't quite see how that was forty two because it felt pretty much pretty packed. Uh, and I I would maybe be a little scared to be in that building at 58,000. If that was 42, <laughs> I have a, everyone there that I talked to said it's more than 42. That's just the paid attendance. And like, they were suggesting that there were a lot of unpaid people there maybe, but uh, it was, it was rocking. It was that you could tell this was a big match. You could tell that this was uh, an important match. Uh, and, and you couldn't, I couldn't help myself, but feel like uh, some affinity for, for the team and for the, for the fan base, because it does feel like something like there was a connection between the, 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 the fans and the team that uh, we don't always see, especially in MLS and, you know, the chanting and, and just, you know, there, we got there three hours before and it's already packing in and they're, they've got a DJ and uh, freestyle rappers and all this other kind of stuff to entertaining the crowd. And I just thought it was, it was an amazing atmosphere. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned that this is a, a traditional big club mm-hmm. in, in Mexico, but they haven't won a title in 10 years. Yeah. What has contributed to that uh, sort of downfall? Like, why are they not, uh, why have they not been able to maintain their superiority over, uh, like, they're, they're very much right now the third club in Mexico City, for instance. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, I mean, just mention it right there about the fifth worst market value of players, you know, so they aren't, they aren't investing uh, as much as they used to. And also you see other teams investing a lot more. You have Tigres, Monterrey, Leon, you know, and I should say specifically Tigres and Monterrey. Those are the heavy hitters of, of Liga Mekis. And because of that, and these, and, and Tigres and Monterrey, these are non-traditional big four teams. And there's been a conversation in recent years, just like, it's like, well, the amount of money they're spending and they're starting to do a little well could they eventually be Nikipo grande should, should it be the big five should it potentially include tigres but anywho while these teams are thriving while leon in recent years when ignacio ambis was a manager, he's no longer with them now he went to spain then he came back to liga mekis but he's no longer with leon leon were doing quite well too so while bumas were kind of stagnant a few other liga mekis teams took charge and it's 
And it's really, really difficult in Liga Mekis too, because and I think it's the same in MLS for the most part, but there's a lot of parity within the league, you know? So it's, it's not, it's not too difficult for, for a team to surpass another, perhaps even consistently, if, especially if a team like Bumas isn't spending that much money uh, on their players. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, you know, it's a complete drop off that they were terrible, blah, 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 because, you know, there's, there's something about them that's endearing because it's this sense of just that this team, which has a huge focus on youth players on their Academy, that they could become greater than the sum of their parts. And they were so close uh, in the 2020 Apertura, their finals in the 2020 Apertura. Last season, they were they were semifinalists. So they're, right. and, and it seems like they're on the cusp of, of, of getting something here. And the question is, is it going to be this Wednesday? Is it going to be this Liga Mekis season? I, I, don't, I don't know, but it's. I feel like you can never truly count out this Buma sign. It, th- it looks like things are gradually getting better and I'm I'm still not convinced that they'll they'll be winning on Wednesday if you had to ask me right now maybe that was a question you're going to save for later I'll say the Seattle Wednesday I don't usually make people do predictions but I appreciate you volunteering that information yeah no I I think (laughs) I think Seattle are definitely going to win on Wednesday but you can but you can never you can never count on so no and that's and that actually brings us into the the very good transition there you clearly know what you're doing but uh I I am the thing that I like in researching Pumas, the thing that jumps out is their recent history under un, under Andres Lilini, who I was just looking at his Wikipedia page. The guy has a question mark for when he started his professional career. Uh, <laughs> he has an end date, but then no no listed appearances. And then he has this kind of like in he, he was bouncing around clubs at, as like a youth club or like a youth manager. And then he was an assistant on some first scenes. He ends up landing in at Pumas in 2017. He takes over the academy and the reserve team there. Uh, and then on the eve of the 20, one of the 2020, in July of 2020, on the eve of the start of the, the campaign, he, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, his, uh, his predecessor, Michel, uh, resigns for family reasons. And he's appointed like the day, the day before the season starts. And they end up going on a pretty gr- great run. They finish second in the table and they end up making a run all the way to the uh, to the final, and and along the way they score this four zero. They they uh, lose four zero on the first leg to Cruz Azul, and they come back and they win four zero on the return leg, and that's how they ended up getting to the final. But they have this penchant for like being at their best. It seems when their backs are against the wall, yeah, and and sort of performing. And and we just saw it this last weekend uh, where uh, they they had been kind of like teetering on, in playoff position all season. And then uh, they fell out of playoff position when like they lost the week before and then a couple other teams won. So they needed, they had a must win game in case you didn't know this, they had a must win game uh, on Sunday against first place Pachuca, Pachuca team who everyone seems to think is just uh, an absolute dynamo right now. They're the team uh, to beat right now in Liga Mekis, undoubtedly. Yeah. Right. And so they, and, and, but Lenini says, we aren't worried about that. We're going to rotate our lineup. We're going to focus on champions league. He rotates his lineup. Uh, ends up bringing in a few of his starters late in the match. Dineno, uh, who hopefully at this point Sanders fans know who this, this guy is, scores a co- scores almost immediately after coming in, scores yeah. another goal. They end up winning this game. They end up qualifying for the playoffs, uh, which will be this next weekend, <laughs> which yeah. is just like this, this crazy schedule that they've been on where it's like two games a week, almost every week for two or three months now. But anyway, my point being, 
they they seem to always be at their best. This is the second season, a second tournament in a row where they qualified for the playoffs on the last day of the season. I could go on and on, but what is it about? Is it something about Lalini? Is it something about the, that's inherent in this team? Why do they? It, it, am I building this narrative, or is this sort of the way that they're perceived? That this is a team that that does sort of do this. You know, when I was in to add to the list of those games, I mean, we were talking before we started recording. We also got to add in the Revs game against yes uh, against Pumas, where where they were down three nothing. Everyone's like, all right, Pumas are out. Right. And then guess what? They got the three. They got three nothing of their own uh, at home, and then ended up beating uh, the Revs and the CCL as well. Uh, and I, I feel like even in the same way that I was talking about that series, I feel like the same way I was talking about this series. I was just like, oh, you know, I was like, you look at that Revs roster. It's like that's a good roster. I mean, look yeah. at Bo. Look at all. It's, it's, I was like, you know what? They're 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 gonna. And then when I saw three nothing win, I was like, that makes sense. It's fine. Well done, Pumas. But I mean, Pumas. Got, got the job done and i will say it is the lilini x factor you know and i've you know once again uh, you know, going back to my conversation with sebastian salcedo i know it was definitely something that he highlighted and reiterated was how competitive lilini is how he puts trust in the young players and the phrase that he kept using too was like heart and passion and i feel like you see that on the field from the players like he's able to exude that over like somehow over to his players and I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. You know, he's you, you talk about, you know, how when Pumas have their back to the wall, they figure it out. And Salcedo said that just like Lini is one of the best managers he's ever had who's able to deal with that kind of adversity, you know, and that even when it looks like things are going awful for Pumas because they have frequently gone quite bad for Pumas, but their their drive has always found things to found ways to make things work, you know, and I, and I think that is something that's part of the and it's not just Lalini there's something kind of Bumas ish about that I remember I was talking to Mariano Trujillo uh the Fox Sports commentator who used used to uh play play for Bumas and I asked him you know just like what comes to mind like during your time like at Bumas because this is like in a different era you know because I think he's around my age or a little bit older um you know but it, it wasn't when he was talking about Pumas, it wasn't an identity regarding a playing style or tactics. It was almost his identity based on passion and drive. And I feel like that's continued over to the Lilini era and it's continued through recent games. And it's this sense that you just, you just can't count them out, you know? And it's just, and it's really, really incredibly exciting to watch. And like I said, I, I, I do believe that, Seattle are better better on paper. I'm going to predict that Seattle are going to win on Wednesday, but I say that in the back of my mind, knowing that the Lilini that's just falling into Pumas's trap. Exactly. Yeah, and this wouldn't be the first time. This wouldn't be the second time. It wouldn't be. It's just this is this is what happens with Pumas. You give, and especially when you have someone like Dineno up top too. I think that's that is the huge huge thing up there for them. And just yes, you can have. Uh, you know, Pumas taking a chance on, you know, Matty Thal, this Brazilian midfielder who was from, I believe they got him from like the fourth division of like Brazil. And they took a chance, this guy, and they're like, hey, it's all right. He's good. Fantastic. But you have, but when you have someone like the Neno up top, who is such a good, well-rounded striker that if it, if he had just a little bit more pace, if he had, if his distribution was just a little bit better, he would genuinely be a world-class striker. I think that's all he's missing. Just a little bit more pace. If his passing was a little bit better, he would immediately be in Europe right now. Honestly, he probably should be in Europe right now. <laughs> like that's how good of a striker he is. But 
I mean, I, when, he's I think, on, when he's on a when he's on a run, it look. I mean, from what I can tell, it looks yeah. like he is like it's hard to spot like obvious poles in this game. Right. Yeah. Uh, no. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But sorry, I want a little bit of a of a tangent there with no, uh, with Dino, But yeah. But well, that actually, I'm 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 curious about Dino. What is his situation? Like it 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 looks like he's coming towards the end of his contract. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so his contract is going to end at the end of the year, so uh, December thirty first uh, of this year. Um, uh, there have been earlier last month, ESPN were Mexico were reporting uh, that there were no talks just yet regarding extension of his contract, and that Pumas were considering selling him uh, this summer. Um, recently, I think it's probably because he's been scoring absolute bangers recently. Uh, there have now been ESPN Mexico are now saying that discussions have uh, started between the Neno and Bumas regarding a potential contract extension. That being said, though, I still wouldn't be surprised if Bumas were to let go of the player if there was a if there was a team that uh, I don't know had had a good price for him because it's not out of the ordinary for for Bumas to let go of these of these big players to be able to bring on the next you know the Neno over over towards their squad because you know as i mentioned this isn't it this isn't a big spending team you know this is a team that finds that talent and wants to potentially move it on whether it be an academy player or whether it be someone that they found in the fourth division of <laughs> brazilian soccer who actually i think he might be on loan so maybe that Meditao wouldn't be someone that i think they could send over uh, i'll have to double check that but i still would not be shocked if uh, if the Nenel uh, were to leave at, at some point um, not this summer. Um, I, mean, I did hear, yeah, I did, I did, I did hear from someone that uh, that some MLS teams have been sniffing around. Yeah, but I, but I but that's all, but, but that's not a shock. But that's not a shock, though, is no, it? No, that, no, that's the I assumption. Would, that's the assumption. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to think any any MLS team in the market for a number nine has got to be looking at this guy who has already been terrorizing MLS teams and thinking hundred percent. This is, you know, it doesn't get to be a like bets don't get uh, better than this one. He's 27. He's, you know, he's an Argent, he's Argentinian, but isn't an international. So you don't have to worry about losing him for international dates. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, like there's a lot to like there. And and I would think the way that MLS is is looking at looking to Mexico for talent these days, like that would be a seeming like a, a no brainer one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he scares me uh, a lot as a as a Sounders <laughs> fan, and and I got to think that if if they have a chance that he's going to play a part in it, and it seems like he's in the middle every time Pumas makes one of these comebacks, he's he's a big part of it. Uh, the other X factors in this one are: Do we know what's going on with Moso? Is he out for sure? It seems like he is, but then of course we thought Dineno was out last week. So what was crucial was the comments from uh, Lilini today. And of course, during the press conference today, first question, boom, someone's like, hey, you know, what, what's the situation on Mosul? Um, so uh, basically what he said was, we'll examine and we'll make a decision tomorrow. But after that, he said, it will be difficult. So I think that there's a sense that they're not ruling him out just yet, but it might be it wouldn't be surprising if he, if he were not on the 11 or potentially in uh, the game, the game day roster. So that's Lelini didn't say anything else on that. He just said, well, I'm going to make a decision tomorrow, but it'll be difficult. Um, so that would be, that would truly be a, a huge blow. Um, 
uh, for 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 Pumas because the way that they like to play, you know, they're willing to kind of, you know, they're they're willing to let the opposition, uh, you know, take like take charge of possession, and then they can kind of play their direct style of play. And someone who's so crucial uh, in, in that in that process is a really incredibly fast and creative and risk taking right back like Mosul. Uh, so that's going to be a huge miss. So I'm, I'm curious to see who will be given the start um, at right back because I I wouldn't be surprised if he was to go with someone a little bit more defensive and take his chances on, you know, it's like, it's all right. Maybe we won't, we're not going to have someone a little bit more attack-minded because, you know, I'm sure Sounders fans were are to think it was like, oh, is it that Rivas kid? That Rivas kid who provided the assist? Rivas is good. He's a little bit more attack-minded, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was to go with someone with Galindo who has also gotten minutes, who doesn't have the same attacking mentality, but I think he's mm-hmm. a little bit more reli- reliable defensively. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that were to happen. But as of now, it looks like, looks at the very least, don't, don't expect most on the starting 11 after, after, after what Lilini said. And so the other one I was curious about, uh, Ortiz is the center back who didn't play in the first leg. Mm-hmm. He started on the weekend. But then he came out in the 74th minute or so with what looked like an injury, but maybe wasn't too serious. Do you, has there any clarification on what's L- going on with him? Lillini said he's good to go. Okay. He definitely said he's good. Yeah. Of the, of the, of the injury worries, it's just, uh, it's just Mosul uh, okay. now um, who is, who's doubtful. I guess if we could put him, if, if we were to make an assumption off of uh, Lillini's comments, we'll, we'll put Mosul doubtful and everyone else uh, looks like they're ready to go. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cause the, and then the other player that there was questions about going into the first leg was Leonel Lopez who started. And I think he played all 90 minutes and then he, I think he even played on the weekend too. And that seems like that if there was any concern there that it, yeah. it does, it is funny because it, it does feel like from our perspective that it's like, is this all gamesmanship or is there real, <laughs> like, is this, what is going on here? Uh, Especially when it's like, oh no, Danano and Lopez are out, and it's like, no, not only are they not out, but it's, they're going to ball out in this game. It's it's not it's not out of the ordinary for in Liga Mekis uh, to have some issues with uh, accessibility and, trans- <laughs> and, tra- and, tra- and transparency when it comes to things. So that being said, I don't think that we'll be seeing we'll, we'll be seeing Mosul like warming up and like jumping up and down, like, like right. getting ready for the starting eleven tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So I I think yeah I, I think the Mosul one is actually okay. Yeah, especially since uh, unless if I missed something, uh, but I mean, uh, from from all the images that I've seen, uh, he was not taking part uh, in, okay. in the practice today. From 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 my understanding. All right. Uh, so I guess the the final bit I'm curious about is, you know, we look at this from a an MLS perspective, Sounders perspective, an American perspective. Yeah. But in in Mexico, I was, you know, I have uh, my my kids godfather I, I i've been using this analogy this anecdote a lot lately because i found it yeah. fascinating uh he's he's mexican he's a leon fan uh but he goes to sound i give him sounders tickets all the time and i was like oh and he's going to this game and i thought oh well you're gonna root for the sounders right and he's like no i'm, I'm rooting for pumas of course what are you talking about and i'm like what do you mean and he's like i'm always gonna root for the mexican team and i'm and i and i at first i was like well aren't you a leon fan like why would you root for pumas like isn't this like just as much of a right, it would be like me rooting for, I don't know, like sporting Kansas city or something. And uh, he's like, no, no, that's, I, it's, it's definitely a Mexican thing. And then, and I guess that I'm curious how much 
how much of a sense do you have that Liga Mackies does look because like Liga Mackies has had a hegemony over this tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. They haven't lost since 2005, which coincidentally was Pumas uh, losing to uh, to Saprisa, I believe. Yeah. And and so it's been ever since then, Liga Mackies teams have have dominated this thing. They've oftentimes played against each other in the final. Uh, do you get much sense that there is like that Pumas is carrying the, the Liga Mekis flag in this, or is it like, what, what is the perspective on, like, I, I guess I can understand for an expat like him, how it might be a little different, but what, what's the sense that you get as far as like how the rest of Mexico is, is looking at this? I think what's really telling was that, uh, you know, you know, sometimes actually most mornings I look through the Mexican sports papers and just seeing what they have to say. And there's one comic because there's, you know, they have weird little like like comics. I just sometimes try to imagine. It's like, oh, imagine if there were like comics and, like about Major League Soccer and like major American sports. <laughs> Anywho, um, that's so a level like... of of relevancy that we are absolutely aspiring. <laughs> that is not happening anytime soon. But but there was one uh, where like you had like the little Puma. He's about to like get on the plane, and then you had all the other three members of the Big Four like helping him carry the luggage on. And it was just, and he was like, "Hey, thanks, guys!" Like, thank. And the, essentially, I forget exactly what the comic said, but it was basically like the Puma telling, uh, you know, the other members of the Big Four, like, "Hey, like, thanks for like helping me like bring my luggage." And the other three uh-huh. guys like, "Oh, like, you know, look, oh, of course, you know, just bring back the trophy." So like, it's it's different because it's Pumas. If it was America, it would it would be very very different. America, it would be a very very hated team. Chivas, it probably you you it'd probably be difficult to have a lot of fans that be rooting for for a Chivas. I, I think it's I think it's different too because I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like would you say that Seattle that there are a lot of MLS fans who are not rooting for 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 the Sounders. In yeah, we, I've, uh, that's a funny thing you bring up because we've been talking about this. Uh, like because Seattle, bottom... I think I think Seattle represents something entirely different in the American soccer world than Pumas do in the Mexican yes. soccer. I feel like, I, I think it's I think it's very very different. Yeah, yeah, Which and I, I would say I would say that's true. And and like there was a time, and there may maybe maybe if it was a different team, maybe there are certain teams that MLS fans would be more uh, bandwagoning bandwagoning for. I think. American soccer media is a hundred percent like someone's got to do it, and it makes sense for the Sounders to do it because yeah, it's like yeah. this is just a, a a complex that we need to get over. We can't continue like if we're going to make any progress, we have to finally win this tournament. You can't compete on a regular basis until you win it once. A lot of you, we've gone through these arguments, but I think among American soccer fans, there's not the same level of like we're all in this together. It's like I root for. Like I don't, I guarantee you, Timbers fans are not like Timbers fans are right, Pumas right. fans yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Atlanta United <laughs> fans are probably Pumas fans right now. Uh, LAFC, LA Galaxy fans, like the the other sort of like big teams in this league. I think the fan base, the other big fan bases, are almost certainly uh, hoping for the Sounders to be absolutely embarrassed in this thing. And the more people on hand to witness it, the better for as far as they're concerned. Uh, and and I don't know, maybe it's different among you know other clubs but yeah i don't i don't think that the sounders are sort of seen as and if anything i think that they would hate the idea that the sounders are seen as the flag bearers right uh, because we have this rather large fan base that is more than happy to lord that over everyone else and uh and so i don't know it's a weird dynamic on this on this side um is it 
is it is, is I don't know if this is a poor comparison because I, I know for for Club so Club America and Liga MX uh, there's this it's like it's an unofficial motto obviously the team is not going to have this motto but um, so there's this like a thing that like a lot of fans will say just like it's like it's odiame mas which is basically like hate me more it's like you hate me fine hate yeah. me more and it's just like I wonder if there's I wonder oh. if there's that kind of sense with Seattle it's just like it's like there's a lot of hate throat torn like hate thrown towards them and it's maybe more so just like fine embrace it bring on the hate it doesn't matter hate me more hate me more yeah there is it it gives me power for like from all that hatred that's given thrown towards you yeah no there is there is literally a song that ecs the the supporters group here sings called uh uh no one likes us we don't care which is taken from millwall of like everything else in american soccer is stolen from someone else but they do sort of embrace this yeah. this idea that uh, and they've and they've sort of worn this as a badge of honor ever since they came into the league uh, in 2009 and and everyone accused Sounders fans of acting like they invented everything. I don't know how familiar right. you are with all this. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah. I, I still watch MLS. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I know, I know, so, I know. <laughs> so, yeah. so, but yeah, Sounders fans have kind of embraced this idea and um, and like uh, the club certainly is not out there uh, spouting this stuff, but. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing. I mean, I, I I do find it, it is an interesting contrast because it it does feel like in a lot of ways uh, the the role, the traditional roles of Liga MX and MLS teams are really reversed and almost perfectly, uh, yeah. and almost perfectly reversed. You can go down the, the list and I think you're pointing at a very astute observation, which is that even the way that the other fans of the league look at these teams is, is sometimes is maybe even reversed yes exactly and, and also i i think lo- looking back at, at pumas i'm not i'm not saying that everybody in mexico city is be rooting for pumas like no obviously like you know like global medica fans crucisul fans like that they're they're they're, they're they're probably not going to be rooting for pumas situation but i think most of i would say most casual mexican soccer fans Will probably be you know, they'll 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 rather root for for Pumas than, than, than Seattle in this situation, especially since and we kind of talked about. But there is a really, I guess it, it, the best way of putting it, there is a really like endearing story behind Pumas mm-hmm. right now. It's just this team that it's like, oh yeah, they're going to be done. They're probably not going to go far, and then they just keep proving everyone wrong with a very young roster with a bunch of you know a, a lot of unknown names within the squad too so i i think that makes it endearing in itself too so i'm well, not gonna say that every every i'm not i, I guess a better way of putting it i would say more liga Mackey, i can I, I can easily say that more liga Mackey fans will be rooting for pumas than mls fans will be rooting for seattle and i think that's, that, that's a safe way of putting it yeah 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 um and i guess on the flip side though is is it seen as sort of would it be seen as a big embarrassment? Would it be seen as sort of like this massive negative mark on Pumas if they didn't win? Or is that sort of the expectation? And so some of the pressure for that is has been relieved. I think I, I think the fact that they made it to the stage, as long as they don't embarrass themselves, I think I'm not gonna say that's a success, but I feel like that's fine. That's right. fine. No, no one's gonna be celebrating if they lose on Wednesday. But I think um, if, if you had to make a list of like 10 like five to 10 current Liga Mekis teams to, to take on the Sounders in a CCL final, like what must be on the list. That would be a debate for, 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 for many Mexican soccer fans. So I think the fact that they made it this far and if they were to lose, no one would, you wouldn't see. So, so like the, the word that everybody loves to use when, uh, when a team fails, especially up against like a CONCACAF opponent or up against an MLS side is like, 
you know, it's like if this was an American, if they were to lose like one nothing tomorrow, all the sports papers would say fracaso, fracaso, it would be failure, failure, failure. I don't, unless if, if unless the Pumas were to truly embarrass themselves, unless if like Raul Ruiz looks like the Raul Ruiz that has scared people on both sides of right. MLS and Liga Mekis, which he could, he, and he loves to step up for big games, doesn't he? Um, unless if he scores like three or four goals and Pumas just can't do anything, maybe we'll be seeing some fracaso like headlines. But I think the fact that they've gone this far, the fact, and, and as long as they're competitive and don't embarrass themselves, I, I, I think that's, that's okay. I think there's also recognition that you, you aren't finding a lot of people in Mexican sports media saying that like, Oh, Pumas are a much better team. Oh, they're much, no, I, you're not finding at least level-headed people aren't saying that they, that Pumas have a better team than Seattle, <laughs> you, mm, know? Right. you know, you know, you know, you, you know, there isn't a Raul Ruiz. There isn't a, so it's a little pat on the head if they it's like you tried you like you good yeah. job getting here and if you don't yeah. do it you've just yeah you've 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 met our expectations and i yeah. would imagine that like as much as lalini uh downplayed the play like qualifying for the playoffs as important the fact that they are now in the playoffs i have to imagine it's it's a little easier to be like okay so we have this next thing to go for maybe you have some momentum going into that yeah um I mean, I'll tell you, I, I have no problem. Like I'm, I think I'm going to have to be putting on my Puma shirt uh, Sunday when they play Chivas. I think <laughs> that, that, that matters to anyone there, but I, I mean, I, I, I've been, I, it's been great getting to learn. I think that's, what's great about this tournament, honestly, is that it's, it gives us these opportunities to learn about clubs, uh, learn about other fan bases. Yeah. And, um, and, and honestly, like, I don't say this just as a Sounders fan, but I do think that it's probably good for the tournament's health if we start having MLS teams, uh, 100%, 100. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's it, good for the, yeah. Cause it's just, it's to take the rivalry to the next level. Right. I know it's, it feels like it really feels like a, a forced rivalry at times. I, I mm-hmm. think, I, I think we all kind of recognize, I think people who support MLS and Liga Mecki, sometimes we kind of, I don't know, like raise an eyebrow and kind of like a little skeptical about some of the, the forced things that they try to like, uh, they try to do between the two leagues, but I, I think this would truly take it to the next level and it pushed, and I think it would put pressure on Liga Mekis teams who might overlook uh, CCL and it's well, what, yeah, whether it be tomorrow, whether it be a year from now or two years from now, like it's only a matter of time, you know, it's, it, it's incredible. Liga Mekis teams have gone 13 consecutive season, seasons with the CCL title extends back to 16 titles with the champions cup era. But I think that it, it, past the, Oh, is a gap close bottom? Like it's such an annoying argument. Eventually, I agree. It, it, it's there is going to be an MLS side that is going to it. There have been MLS sides who potentially should have won it in recent years, and it's just I don't know. It's and I think I think I guess in the end I think it'd be good for the competition. Yeah, and I think what makes it even more fascinating this year is that I, I'm sure Liga Mekis fans can talk themselves pretty easily, frankly, into thinking like even if the Sounders win this, that it's like yeah, but they weren't playing. Pachuca they weren't playing Tigres they weren't playing Monterrey they weren't playing a list of six or seven other teams that maybe would have been a better matchup uh like you said Pumas is fifth from the bottom in terms of transfer market value uh there was a lot of teams that maybe would have been tougher matchups but that also I think puts a lot more pressure on the Sounders that it's like if if an MLS team is going to win this it's hard to imagine a more opportunistic scenario than you're playing uh you're playing against a field, a field that was already sort of down to begin with in Liga Mekis. Uh, you're playing against a team that does not have uh, overabundance of talent. 
you're playing it on a schedule that actually lines up much more uh, beneficial for MLS because the Sounders were able to take the weekend off. Pumas had yeah. to play. Uh, it's the second leg is at home, forcing Pumas to travel. Uh, you know, you go down the list, and and man, it's hard to imagine a more opportunistic scenario for for MLS to to finally break through. And if they don't, you have to start wondering. Like, I don't know. It, you feel like it's an inevitability, but I don't know. <laughs> It, it, I mean, it, it, it will happen. It will happen. I mean, right. It might like, be 20 it, years from now. <laughs> <laughs> but it does feel like the stars are are aligning uh, this time around. But then again, once again, if there is one team yeah. that would that could truly ruin this, it'd be, it would be Pumas with the Lilini X factor and the Nano yeah. up top. <laughs> yeah. Well, Cesar, uh, it's been great uh, chatting with you. I appreciate yeah. you you educating us. I feel like I have a much better grasp on on Pumas than I did uh, an hour ago. So uh, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, where can people can read you on ESPN FC? Where else can they they follow you? Uh, so that's at Cesar H Football on Twitter. So that's just my first name, C-E-S-A-R-H-F-U-T-B-O-L. Um, mostly Are you talking... still doing the podcast? Yes, still doing the Mexican soccer show uh, with uh, some of my friends uh, from the Mexican soccer world, I guess. Yes, it's me, Adrián Terraza. She's over at Tudiene. She she hangs out with us. And it's also my good friends like uh, Wiso and Amy who are involved more so on the agency kind of like sports side in the Mexican soccer world. And we have uh, occasional uh, guests drop in. But, but yeah, usually they're in the Mexican soccer show. And then, yeah, on Twitter, I'm just blabbering about usually Mexican soccer, Mexican women's soccer. I dive in. I do, I do a little MLS, a little, I'm going to be doing, uh, I'll be writing a piece soon on the NW, on a, obviously with the San Diego NWSL mm-hmm. team. I wrote recently about the USL championship as well. I dive into I, mostly Mexican men's soccer, but I like to, you know, you know, see what else is out there as well in the, in the CONCACAF region. Well, you're a fascinating follow, a good follow. Um, I've enjoyed reading your stuff. Uh, thank you thank for doing you. this. Uh, and uh, and read his stuff, and hopefully, hopefully, the next time we talk, we're talking about how MLS and and uh, Liga Mekis are like right there together, and they great. Right? <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Cesar. Uh, I'm Jeremiah Chan. This is the Center at Heart podcast, and we will catch you next time.